Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com forward slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. They can help you in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job or a new full-time role, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com. That's ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Let's bring in Jeff Schwartz. Were you a uniform guy? You went to Oregon. Like, were you like, really? oh, I'm so hype. We got brand new uniforms. Oh, we're going to look tight in these. Like, I just don't care. Uh, well, I went to the school that started this trend. So, yes. Uh, in Oregon. Um, look, I mean, the uniforms were done for recruiting. I mean, when I walk through, I live in Charlotte. When I walk through Charlotte, uh, and people see my truck. I have an Oregon band, you know, license plate. They say, Oregon, I, I love the uniforms. I love, it's all, you know, younger kids. I love the uniforms. I love the helmets. I, that's what those are for is to get, garner interest. Uh, when I was playing though, I didn't really care. I mean, I didn't want to wear the all whites because I look fat and all white. Um, but that's, that's the only time I cared about uniforms. I was like, please, let's not wear the all whites today. Cause that does, that just for my body doesn't look, it doesn't look well. But otherwise, otherwise I, I didn't care. Um, it is ridiculous. Okay, let's start here. Is LeBron arguing that he has a copyright on athletes talking about sports in a barbershop? The dumbest thing you've ever heard LeBron James say. Um, I did not hear that. I saw you tweeted something about that yesterday. Well, I filmed I filmed a, a two interviews at a barbershop during Super Bowl week. Am I did I, did I copyright infringed? Yeah, I, I, you just you just outed yourself. LeBron's lawyers are going to be after you. <laughs> You're not allowed to talk about sports in the in the barbershop if you're an athlete. Like that, LeBron has copyrighted that. I, I said we're going to be sending a lot of letters to other people who talk about sports on the radio because I'm like, wait a minute, maybe we invented talking about sports on the radio. We should tell everybody else they can't do this anymore. Boom, we're going to make a lot of money. Considering that's my my mom's uh, uh, former profession, I, I think uh, uh, I'll, 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 I'll trust myself on this one. I think I'll be okay. 
Uh, what do you think? So, uh, you remember when LeBron also said the word posse was racist? Which of those do you think is a dumber argument? Um, geez, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, I think the, the trademarking issue is, you just, I don't know, you might just not know what he's talking about. I, I think the posse thing might have been dumber, but this, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, there's no way that you can trademark um, that idea. Now, maybe if you. I don't even know if there's an idea that you could trademark that involves a barbershop and talking about sports. I and mean, maybe if there's some sort of brand you create revolving around that, maybe like there's a logo you create. It's for a great, a shirt, by the way, great point. That. One of my listeners just pointed out is LeBron just going to totally try to shut down sports clips because they literally have combined <laughs> sports and a barbershop in their entire business, right? Like is LeBron like sports clips is effed. LeBron is going to just come in and shut them down because they're talking about sports. I think they even play sports in the barbershop there. Like the entire basis for their existence is the intersection of sports and the barbershop. So, so here's the thing about LeBron is I like LeBron and I try to defend him as much as possible because I feel like he gets a bad rap in general about his play, mostly about his play. I try to defend him. Like, it's hard to defend him when he makes comments like this. Like, what kind of, I can't say anything. Like, I know how it works. You know how it works. I, I can't, like, defend anything he says here about this comment. And it makes it tough for me when I constantly defend him on Twitter, mostly about his play. Um, but, like, this year, for some reason, he's been more outspoken. Um, he said kind of these things that seem to come out of nowhere that don't really make sense. Um, I don't know what he's doing this year. I don't know why he's being more outspoken. Yeah, this is... Uh, well, one, I think... I, I've said this for a while. I think this is that LeBron James knows that his career is coming to a close, and he's made a calculated decision that he wants to be relevant when he's no longer playing basketball. The challenge that he's running into is a lot of the things that he says that don't have to do with basketball are not very well-informed. And if you ask just a couple of questions you get people who are like, yeah, I, I don't even, I don't know. To me, all this demonstrates is two things. One, LeBron James has no idea about intellectual property or copyright law. Like, zero. And I'm telling you this as a guy who has studied and has passed the bar relating to intellectual property and copyright law. He has zero case. Like, zero. Two, either LeBron has also surrounded himself with the dumbest lawyers on the planet, or maybe even worse the lawyers are not willing to tell LeBron how dumb he's going to get be when he does this, which is what you pay somebody to do, right? I just met with my accountant last week, all right? When I met with my accountant, I asked him for tax advice because I'm not an expert on tax law, and I asked him to tell me the smart things to do. I trust his expertise. That's why you pay a lawyer to keep you from looking stupid so he can actually advise you. So either, both these things are bad. Either he's got the dumbest lawyers on the planet who are making this argument and are so dumb they actually think they have an argument, or LeBron's not listening to people who are smarter than he is because he thinks he's smarter than them. There are lots of lawyers out there who will tell you they have done dumb things that they know represent a poor legal decision and analysis because their client paid them to do it and they said, look, I don't think this is smart, but I'm going to do it for you. That's what I tend to believe happened with LeBron's lawyers. Uh, it's just well, nonsensical. I, I just think, I mean, intellectual property and trademark and copyright, all that stuff, That's it's hard to understand. I mean, I think that we, we have people that think they know it all the time, and they what they tweet about it. You know, what, did Alabama try to, get, try to get you on the cursive A? I mean, I think that people in general try to use the law to manipulate. They have no idea what it even means. Like, like I said, 
my I just tried to play for like my mom as a trademark attorney. She was she just retired, and I was going to trademark the saying from my new Periscope. And like she had to go through this whole process of trying to figure out if it, if it if it if it, it's a, it infringement. All this like it's ridiculous. I couldn't repeat any of what she just did for five minutes. And she tried to explain it to me. If I tried to repeat it, I would look like a moron too. So I think that it's tough to figure out, and then you try to repeat it, try to sound smart as an athlete or really anybody. It just doesn't come come across that way. Yeah, and that at least is a legitimate legal dispute. This is just stupidity. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go to uh, let's go to the the NFL on the field. What are the Patriots doing? Good question. Um, I I don't think Belichick is this cunning as far as being maybe upset about his tenure to Patriots at least the last couple of years. But he seems to just be leaving the cupboard bare and he's going to leave after this year and be like, Hey, Tom Brady, now it's your turn to win without me. Let's see how you do it. Um, I just don't know what they're doing unless they're, they're pivoting all these picks. They now have two in the first round and two in the second round to trade up for a quarterback of the future. I, I could see them drafting a quarterback at 31. You know, I think a Lamar Jackson seems to kind of make sense there. If Josh Allen were to fall to, I could see them doing that. I could see them taking one of these, you know, lower tier quarterbacks in kind of that second range, whether it's, a kid from uh, Mike White from Western Kentucky or Mason Rudolph or, or Riley Fox is one of those quarterbacks too. But it seems to me that they're, 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 they're um, pivoting themselves to position themselves to maybe go get a quarterback. Otherwise, I don't know what they're doing. Unless they're just. So, By the way, just trying to, I'm going to copyright kids screaming in the background during an interview. What, 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 my, my wife even said it yesterday. She goes, for some reason, when you're on the telephone on Clay's show, your kids just go insane. Like my kids don't. My kids don't scream otherwise. They're like they watch Mickey Mouse in the morning. They eat their breakfast. They don't make a, a freaking peep. And as soon as I get on the phone, they start screaming and yelling and moaning and groaning. It's unbelievable. Uh, welcome to Parenthood. Every single parent on earth knows exactly what you're saying. Uh, we're talking to Jeff Schwartz. You can follow him on Twitter at g e o f f s c h w a r t z. That's a hard word to follow. Uh, you can also just down, follow me on Twitter, and I'll tweet out his link to his profile uh, when I send out the podcast uh, later today on my Twitter account. Okay, so is there any way that the Patriots are going to try to make a move to go after Odell Beckham Jr.? Um, I don't think so. It doesn't really seem like they're like their cup of tea. I know they went after Randy Moss, and people are making that compare, comparison, but Randy was 30 already, and I think he he realized he kind of wanted to win, and he wanted to settle down a little bit. And that year, he was fantastic. Right? I mean, obviously, we know he caught you know all those touchdowns, and Brady threw for 50 of them, and it was a great connection. They almost went undefeated. I just don't see with what the Patriots have done going for Odell, because, look, they have a lot of holes on their, on their team. They need pass rush badly. They need another corner now. They need uh, a little bit of more speed at linebacker. They need a left tackle. Um, they don't have, I don't think, the, the ability, the draft ability or draft capital to go ahead and use a lot, bunch of these picks for Odell. You know, I think trading a first for a wide receiver in this day and age seems kind of foolish, especially two firsts, which is what people talked about for Odell. However, the one team I thought it was okay to do, which is the Rams, and, and they went ahead and did it because they have the four most, um, the four most important positions secure in left tackle, quarterback, pass rush, and Aaron Donald, and, and I'm sure they'll get to, uh, draft someone to, to do that as well. And they have three corners, so they're set at the most important position. They can go trade for a wide receiver. The Patriots are set at, at one of those four. Like they can't, they cannot afford to, to use their draft capital for a wide receiver. When do you think and how do you think Tom Brady found out about this trade and what do you think his reaction was? Um, well, the reports are this morning that they tried to work out a deal uh, with Cooks. It didn't work, so they traded him. How do I think he found out? Um, 
Good question. Is he a big enough he, star that they would tell him before this went public, or do you think he found it out when it went public? I think a lot of that depends on the relationship between him and Belichick right now. If it was a good relationship, then he would find out before it happened. If it was a relationship that is that is deteriorating, which I, mean, I guess reports are that it might be. I know they, uh, him and Belichick and Kraft had a couple sit-downs this offseason so far to kind of work things out. Um, that he learned about on social media. But is he a Twitter? He, see, he's a Facebook guy. I bet he's a, a Twitter guy, but just has a fake profile. Yeah. My my brother did that for like four years. He was on Twitter, but just had a fake profile. Yeah, join the club. I think there's a lot of people out there who lurk on Twitter like that. Jeff Schwartz, we'll talk to you next week. Good stuff as always. Get those kids taken care of. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Joined now by a woman who is in Congress right now from the state of Tennessee. She is running as a Republican to be the governor of the state of Tennessee, and she wrote an op-ed on my website, OutkickTheCoverage.com, Outkick.com, which I thought was pretty fascinating, uh, given the political arena and its intersection with sports. Uh, Ms. Black, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you said that you were going to give up your Titan season tickets because of the way the NFL has responded to the Colin Kaepernick protest. I'll start with you there. We're obviously a sports show. How did you come to that decision, and what has the reaction been to your sharing that decision? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate that, and I want you to know that I'm a, uh, a longtime fan of all of the sports. I grew up in a sports town in Baltimore and go back a long way, whether it's with the Colts or the Clippers or the Orioles or the Bullets, and so um, it's me that's the sports fan, not actually my, my husband. So, um, but I will tell you that I'm also from a family of patriots. Uh, my dad served in World War II. My husband's a Marine, served in Vietnam. My son who is a, a, a Navy person, served in the Persian Gulf War. And so the flag and honoring our flag and our, our men and women are just so deeply ingrained in me, and I guess ingrained in me as a child, to honor this country, the great country that, that we come from. And, uh, and it was just an affront to me that uh, men who are being paid very high salaries, who many of them have never served in the military, um, will not honor our flag. And so it was an affront to both my husband and myself, and we decided that we couldn't sit in a stadium and enjoy what, golly, has been um, just the fabric of me since I was a small child. And it's very hurtful, I will tell you, that I don't like the fact that we uh, are not in that stadium. We have had tickets ever since the uh, Tennessee Oilers came to town. As a matter of fact, we never missed a game up until the Super Bowl. Later on, we had to miss a game or here or there. But traveled to Memphis for two years, sat in that small stadium at Vanderbilt in the cold on those seats that had blocks of ice underneath of our feet. So we are very, very loyal fans. But um, there is just something deeply ingrained in me that just said, I cannot sit here and watch this. And you said in your article, you quoted Colin Kaepernick, who said, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. Uh, so he was directly uh, attaching his, his protest to the American flag and to the national anthem. In your mind, what should Roger Goodell and the NFL have done about this protest? Well, I think they should have stopped it at the beginning because they didn't allow protests of other kinds of things to happen. Um, they would not allow players to wear socks that had certain things on them that would have said how they believe their deeply held beliefs. And so 
this is an entertainment venue, and uh, people are being paid to entertain us. And I think if you really do feel deeply that there is an oppression, which, look, I will tell you there, I've worked with with folks in public housing and in difficult situations all my life. I, I was raised in public housing and know what it's like to feel like maybe you're not getting everything that everyone gets. But to me, that is not the way Colin Kaepernick should have handled what it was that he believed in. If he believed that there was oppression, then, then, then go to where the oppression is. Um, be a part of the solution. Kneeling uh, uh, for the flag, um, when the flag you should be standing for, what does that do? I mean, it doesn't do anything. Show me what you're doing. Put your time, your energy, and your money into solving what you think is the problem. By the way, I think that our police officers, um, I've gone to the police academy to see what it's like to be out on the road when uh, they're going into a dangerous situation. Uh, you know, take a little bit of time to also go to that side and find out how are these police officers feeling when they go into the middle of a situation that's unknown, that's dangerous. They leave their families. They uh, go out in the middle of the night to protect us. There are bad apples. But you know what? I'm a nurse. There are bad apples in my profession. Um, let's take care of the bad apples, but let's not throw everybody under the bus here. And let's find a way that we can all say, this is the greatest country on earth. Oh, my goodness gracious, travel around the world, which I've done. See what's in other places. You'll come back to say, no, we're not a perfect people. We're not a perfect people. We, we are a people on a perfect mission, as Andrew Jackson said. And so I, am, uh, I wish that they would have handled this right from the very beginning and said, we don't allow other kinds of protests. We're not going to allow this protest. Now it's just gone so far. Uh, that I don't know how you turn this around. I know that you met in the White House recently with Donald Trump. And again, we're talking to Diane Black. She's running for governor in the state of Tennessee. She has given up her season tickets as a result of the NFL protest. Two things. Have you heard of any other politician taking a public stance like you have and saying, I'm not going to support the NFL if their players, some of their players, are not supporting uh, standing for the national anthem? And second, have you talked to Donald Trump and told him about your decision? And if so, what was his response? No, I really have not, and I don't. Um, I haven't spoken to any of my other colleagues. So, I mean, we have spoken about being disappointed in what is occurring, but I don't know of any of them that have given up tickets or what actions they have taken. Um, and no, I have not spoken to Donald Trump about this. I mean, you know, I work with him on a lot of other things, but uh, this uh, particular topic has not come up. This is something that Dave and I feel very personally about, and. Uh, it's not necessarily something that we're out there because of politics. This is our personal decision. This is not a political decision. Have the Titans responded to, I know you wrote them a letter saying, and, and for people out there who are wondering, the Titans did not come out for the national anthem in the wake of Donald Trump saying that everybody needed to stand up for the national anthem. So locally, that was a big controversial moment in, uh, in, in what was a very controversial and politically charged week. The Titans did not come out for the national anthem. Were you at that game against the Seahawks when they didn't come out for the national anthem? Oh no, we haven't been. We haven't been to a single game this season. Um, we, as a matter of fact, we have four seats. Uh, we love sharing those with our friends, and it's always been Sunday right after church. You hop in the car and run downtown to go to the stadium. But we uh, have missed that, and we have left our four seats empty because we wanted that message to be that we're not going to give our tickets away to anyone. We've had people say, well, if you're not going to use them, let us use them. And that um, defeats what we're trying to say is it should be an empty stadium. <laughs> and, and so are you also not watching games on television? 
nope, we haven't turned a game on this entire year. My son, who is a huge, huge fan, um, he is uh, he and his wife the same way. And someone asked us just the other day about, well, do you do you miss football? Do you miss the fact that you're not watching on Sunday? And it's really odd because we were such big fans when it first started happening. You know, you just wanted to turn that television on. Um, and we would literally watch football from the time it came on at noon uh, until late at night, never missed a Monday night football uh, um, game, nor on Thursday nights. And so we thought this was really, really going to be hard. And the season went on we filled it with other things i love to fish i love my grandchildren i love to cook and we found that that void was filled with a lot of other things that we thought were special and important to our family now you're speaking for a certain segment of the population there are other people out there listening to us right now that are saying oh she's a politician she's doing this for attention you you know how that is going to be played everybody's not going to agree with you when you're in the marketplace of ideas i appreciate you coming on the show we're talking to diane black she's running for governor from uh, tennessee she is right now a congressman uh in the state of tennessee as well uh there are obviously, I think, and I've said on this show, a lot of people who have your political perspective. They have decided the ratings were down double digits in the wake of Colin Kaepernick's protest. They fell another double digits as well. I, I feel like a large percentage of the people who are too choosing not to watch the NFL making their response uh, to Colin Kaepernick's protest to be their protest of their own feel like their voices are not being heard. Do you hear from other people who say, yes, I'm doing the same thing as you, thank you for being the voice for us, or do you hear more criticism of your decision uh, to make uh, not to watch football? Obviously, in the state of Tennessee, football is, uh, I would say, our sport's lifeblood. It's something that matters a great deal here. Yeah, well, it, it does. And obviously with the Predators uh, in Tennessee, right here in Nashville and really all over the state, the Predators have really um, been the thing that have taken the place for us. But I want to say this is not a political decision. This is not political. This is a patriotic decision in our part. And, look, I honor those. I have friends that still go, and that's their decision to make, and we all make a decision on what we feel is really important and where we want to stand up and say things aren't right. But I couldn't sit in a stadium, neither could my husband or my son, um, and feel as we are patriots of who have served this country and so many men and women that, look, I'm a politician. I've been at a number of funerals where um, my constituents have loved ones that have come back from the military in a casket um, rather than whole. And so for us, it you know really is a decision that is very personal. And for others, they have their way of of, of, of thinking about it, and we're, we honor that. Um, we have friends that sit right beside us that just said to us last week, um, you really seriously gave up your tickets? And I said, yeah, we really seriously did. And they said, well, we're going to miss you. And I said, well, there's no reason why we can't get together and do some other things. Let's go to the Predators, for Pete's sake. We love sports. <laughs> so, you know, it is, a, it is really a patriotic, not a political decision. And we all have people beat us up and say, oh, she's just doing that because she's a politician. Look, you can't be a politician. And I think you're going to get beat up every single day. So it's just something that you you know when you're in the um, public sector that that's going to happen. You are a sports fan, um, and we're, talk- <laughs> we're talking about, obviously, the NFL decision, but you also weighed in on the decision of who the next coach would be at the University <laughs> of Tennessee. Uh, and I'm looking at your tweet right now. We're talking to Diane Black. Uh, when Greg Schiano, I'm sports center breaking, Tennessee is finalizing a contract with Greg Schiano to name him a new head coach. Uh, You tweeted, absolute wrong choice, and I hope these reports are incorrect. As a supporter and season ticket holder at the University of Tennessee as well, I know UT can do better. Uh, What was the response to you weighing in on the Tennessee head coaching search? 
Well, I had a lot of very nice calls to say we agree with you and what what I did here, especially over in East Tennessee and the area where um, our great uh, university is, that the people were also weighing in on this and feeling the same way we did. And, uh, you know, this is a role model for our students. And I think if there is anything that would color that, we have to be very careful about that. It's a flagship university, and we want to be sure that we get not only the right person that can coach us to a championship, which we all want, obviously, um, as a season ticket holder, I want that. But um, I want somebody that is a good role model and doesn't have anything around them, a shadow around them that may in some way make a doubt that that was the right person. So I felt like as a season ticket holder I could weigh in, not as a politician once again. And I think Jeremy Pruitt was the right guy. I mean, he had a good background there at Alabama, and um, I'm glad that we made that choice. Did you hear from Jimmy Haslam? I was told that you were one of many politicians who was called by uh, by Jimmy Haslam, who's obviously very involved in Tennessee athletics, and he wasn't happy with you weighing in <laughs> on your opinion of uh, of Greg Schiano as a hire. Well, I did hear from him, and uh, it was an interesting conversation. Uh, let's just say that one person did most of the talking, and it wasn't me, and uh, I think probably I'll just leave it at that. So how do you balance? You're a politician, and I'm always fascinated by this. People say, oh, you're talking to a Republican. I'm happy to have Democrats on the show, too, because we're talking about the intersection of sports and politics. How do you balance what is political and what is sports and what is not? Because, like I said, you talk about the Tennessee head coaching high. To give up your season tickets for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you mentioned the, the Nashville Predators. I mean, you are a sports fan. Said growing up in Baltimore, you were a Johnny Unitas fan, I think, back in the day. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, what, uh, how do you balance that um, in terms of people elect you to, uh, to deal with serious things in life? Oftentimes, sports are not serious. How do you balance the intersection of the two? Well, I think you always have to go back to your core and your core values. And I'm fortunate to have two parents, 92 and 93 years old, that brought me up with core values. And it doesn't matter whether it's in um, the sports that I play or that my grandchildren play or whether it's in my political life uh, or my life of service to the community. I have to go back to who I am. And if I feel that something is not who I am, I've got to stand up for it and uh, either stand up for what I believe is right or stand up when I think something is wrong. And I hope that my children and grandchildren will follow um, what I have tried to instill in them. And it is about just standing up when you believe something is right and being a part of that. We're talking to Diane Black. She's running for governor from the state of Tennessee. She's given up her Tennessee Titans ticket. She was just talking about the conflict over who should be the next Tennessee coach. Some people, many people maybe even, who disagree with you would say a small percentage of NFL players are actually kneeling. Why allow them to dictate your choice when the majority of players are standing for the national anthem? Well, because if, if especially when you talk about they didn't come out of the locker room, what does that tell me? You don't come out of the locker room, you know the flag is up there. I mean, obviously, this is how we begin all of our games, whether it's at the Predators or whether it is at the football game or whatever game we go to. That's how we begin these games. So that tells me you're not honoring this country. And for me, that is a very serious uh, uh, statement to be made. And look, you have every right to do that. I'm not saying you don't have a right to do that. But what I have a right to do is to say, I will not pay my good money to support you um, in doing something that I believe is just uh, a very objectionable, that you are in a country of freedom. Yes, if you believe that something is happening and you want to protest it, go down to the police station, talk to your local police, get involved and say, what can I do? How can I make it better? 
What can we do here together? But what does that do? Um, all that does is bring attention to you. I, I just feel like that's what they're doing, is bringing attention to themselves and not actually solving the problem. So uh, words are cheap. Actions really do show who you are. And if what that's you th- what you believe, do something about it. Yeah, I'm curious. What would you think about the protest against advertisers that's going on, for instance, with the Laura Ingram show? Um, because that's there. it seems that everybody wants to take a side now, and I know that's not necessarily sports-related, but it is a variation of what you're doing. You're saying, like, I disagree with you. I'm choosing to spend my money elsewhere. What do you think about a protest like that? Well, that's, that's every, they have every right to do that. That's their money, and if they don't like what Laura is saying, they have every right to do that. I mean, I, I think that they lose out at the end of the day because if they're not advertising on a station that has a high rating, they lose out. But, you know, we have a right to protest. That's what our country was founded upon is, is being able to say and do what you believe without the government uh, hauling you away as they do in many other countries, which I know because I've worked in those countries in medical missions. But that's the great thing about our country is you have the right to do that. Last question for you. We disagree on at least one subject out there. I I came out, I don't know if you know this, but I came out and said I want medical marijuana to be legal in the Mm -hmm. state of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. It's a major debate nationwide. If you're a Mm -hmm. governor, it's a major Mm -hmm. decision that lots of different governors are dealing with across the country. Why do you not support the legalization of medical marijuana for doctors who may want to uh, give it to their patients? I'm, I'm just curious on your perspective. Sure. So first of all, let's talk about medical marijuana because there is medical marijuana already available. It's called Marinol. Doctors have the ability to be able to prescribe that where they believe that it is appropriate. Um, I am a nurse. Uh, My husband's a toxicologist, and we have always looked at the science. What is the science? And I meet regularly with the folks over at NIH to find out where is the science in this? Are we showing that this what they're talking about there is being medical, um, that we can say, and I could say as a nurse, hey, that's okay to give that to your child because the research has been done, it's safe, it's efficient, it'll take care of the problem. We can't say that. This whole marijuana industry is to bring medical marijuana in, normalize it, and then say, oh, we just use it recreationally. And we know that that's happened in other states. I am going to go to the science, and when a science shows me, and there is some work being done at the NIH. I know the lady that is the director over there, the doctor over there, and have a very good relationship with her, keep touch with her, keep base with her. There is some research going on to show that there could potentially be, especially in these children with the Charlotte's Web and the cannabidiol, that they are, there could be some um, uh, real medicine there that could be used for these children. But it's very dangerous to give a child... Uh, especially an adult as well, something that we can't say really is effective and that we can tell you that it's safe for you, and especially in children. And I get very upset when I hear people are giving children something that um, doesn't have the kind of uh, research that we need. So, look, I'm going to wait for the research when the research says that's the right thing to do, and then we'll do it. I have a whole lot of other research, and we don't have time to even talk about about what's happening with our young adolescent minds and how once they lose that opportunity for that synapse to come together um, in their maturation, once they lose that, they never are able to gain it. And we'll see their IQ will never reach their potential. So we have to be very careful that we look at both sides of this and that we make sure that we're using good information when we make that decision. 
She's Diane Black. She's running for governor in the state of Tennessee. I appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on sports, the protests, everything else. And uh, thanks for coming on OutKick. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.